When you get it, let's open up to Colossians chapter 4. I want to get back into Colossians 4, getting closer to finishing this letter. And tonight I want to talk first about a guy named Brian Scalabrini. Uh, ever heard of him? Few people have, but I bet you're over 25 for sure. <laughs> uh, you probably haven't, junior hires, just because kind of the peak of his NBA career uh, was about the same year you were being born. Uh, but even if you like were like an avid NBA fan or for some reason like a Boston Celtics fan, it's unlikely that you've heard of Brian Scalabrini. He wasn't an all-star. In fact, when the Celtics won the NBA championships in 2008, he actually didn't play a whole lot. He started nine whopping games that season. Uh, He played about an average of 10 minutes in the 40-ish games that he actually played in. And he averaged less than two points per game. Uh, I have a picture of him. Oh, yeah, you got him. There he is. He's pretty awesome. Uh, (laughs) He played in the NBA, Brian Scalabrini, for 11 years. Played for the Nets and the Celtics and the Chicago Bulls for a little bit. Uh, He is no Michael Jordan. He's no LeBron James. No late, great Kobe Bryant. But he did have the nickname, the White Mamba. Interesting. I'm not sure what that was about. Uh, But he is an NBA champion, and he has the ring to prove it. Brian Scalabrini, never an all-star. Brian Scalabrini was never in the spotlight, but he was a huge part of the success of the teams he played on, especially the Celtics. Um, His energy, his leadership, Uh, Anytime the crowd sensed that he would get into a game, you could feel the atmosphere in those places change. They would would be so excited as if they were the one, he was the one they were coming to watch play. Brian Scalabrini was a beloved bench warmer. He worked relentlessly hard. He did every day. Most basketball dreams don't usually end with this, becoming like Brian Scalabrini, but maybe they should. He was a faithful teammate. He was a, a man who knew what his role was on the team, and he often fulfilled it. He cheered for those who were better than him. He did exactly what his teams needed him to do. Again, Scalabrini didn't have the spotlight, but most of his superstar teammates would say he was hugely valuable. Players like Brian teach us a valuable lesson about lots of areas of life. It isn't that, you know, having a superstar on your team or in your group guarantees success. It does take a whole team effort and everyone has a different role to play. And we learn that. Those guys who may seem forgettable actually serve in pretty vital roles. We learn to be faithful to do what needs to be done. We, we learn to be committed however you can be, to serve the the team, use the skills you've been given. That's the attitude that has to exist if you're going to be on a team that's accomplishing what it's trying to do. That's what we have to sort of ingrain in ourselves if we're going to be a part of a group. For the Christian, that same principle that we learned from Scalabrini is true. Same attitude we need to have as we think about how we can serve in the church that we're a part of. Superstar roles 
MVP roles like being a pastor or a preacher or whatever you think it is, a missionary, a junior high leader. Clearly that one is very, very important. Those roles may seem like the best roles, the most desirable roles. But as we learn from our text tonight, all roles in the church are valuable. All roles and ways you can serve in the church are profitable. Each one is important. And we do those jobs and we try to do those jobs like Brian Scalabrini. We do the job that's in front of us, the job we've been gifted by God to do, and we do it faithfully and we, we do it for the Lord. Tonight's text in Colossians, it's, it is one that seems kind of forgettable, one that we might read over kind of quickly and not really think much of it. But 2 Timothy 3.16 is true for a reason. All scripture valuable and profitable, and it's, it's here to teach us something. It's here to equip us in some way for the Christian life. Our text in Colossians 4, it's, it's personal. It's the closing words of Paul, and it's here for these believers in Colossae, but it's it's more than just a sign-off. It's more than just like a XOXO Paul. It's, it's more than that. It actually teaches us the same things we learn from a handsome guy like Brian Scalabrini. Every person in the body of Christ matters. Just like every part of the body is important, so it is with the church, the body of Christ. Every role that one could possibly Doing the church is important, and no matter what that role is, we're called to be faithful. And that's such a vital lesson for every Christian to learn. But a hugely important lesson, I believe, for young Christians to learn. No matter how God's equipped me or no matter how God's spiritually gifted me to serve in the church, I need to know that every role matters. Every place to serve is important. And like we learned from our text tonight, we're called to be faithful, to work hard, to recognize that that spiritual gift is God-given, and we need to use it to better the church we're a part of. Big idea tonight is this, serve faithfully regardless of the role that you have. Faithfully serve at your church regardless of where you're serving, regardless of the place God has you Serving in the church. In other words, serve the church however you can because every role, great or small, they all matter. You don't have to be an Apostle Paul. You, you don't have to be like Pastor John to do something great for the Lord. You just need to be faithful to the role that God's called you to do. We're going to start uh, a few verses before our text tonight. Back up and uh, verse 2 of chapter 4, and then we'll read down through verse 9, getting into our text tonight. So Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, again, sort of the close of Paul's letter. He writes this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time, and let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. 
And our text for tonight, Tychicus, will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that's taken place here. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Verses 7 to 9, what in the world do we do with this? Like how, Pastor Jay, you have to be pretty creative to turn this into a sermon. Uh, What is this about? Who cares about these names? Tychicus and Onesimus. How do you even know you're pronouncing those right? I don't know. I think that's how you say them, though. What do we learn from these verses? What do we do? Well, because we we know that this is God's word, and, and God wants us to have this, and he wants us to know this, and through understanding and the studying of all of Scripture, there is profit and benefit. There is something here for our good. It equips us, and these verses, even though they first read don't mean a whole lot to us, these verses deserve our time and they really do deserve our attention. There is never a time to tune out a passage in God's word. And as we come to our text tonight, the name Tychicus, we we only know a little bit. There isn't a a lot about him, but what we do know, it kind of helps us understand what kind of man he was, what kind of Christian he was. And Really, through his example, we learn a lot. He's mentioned five times in the Bible, five times in the New Testament. Here, he's mentioned in Acts 20 and Ephesians 6, 2 Timothy and Titus, all talking about the same guy. And from those verses, there's some history that we can kind of assume between Paul and this man named Tychicus. Ty, if you prefer that. I don't know. Whatever. He's mentioned in Acts chapter 20, and that sort of the end of Paul's missionary journeys there in Ephesus. And he's mentioned as being from the province of Asia, which Ephesus was a major city. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that Paul was the one who shared the gospel with him there. Very possible that that happened, that Paul led him to the Lord, and that changed Tychicus's life forever. And then he was just sort of attached to Paul and just wanted to be where he was. And he was in Ephesus when sort of everything starts to flip upside down for Paul through Acts you know, chapter 20 where so many things are going crazy and there's riots and Paul decides to leave. Tychicus probably would have gone with him to Macedonia and then on to Jerusalem where Paul was arrested. He had seen a lot with Paul. He had been by Paul's side through a lot of crazy stuff. He'd been a witness to many of those events towards the end of Acts. He was loyal. He saw Paul get arrested. He he was with him during that crazy ship voyage and eventual shipwreck. And even while he waited for his trial in Rome, Tychicus was right there. So just like Paul, he would have been really well known by the believers and the church in Ephesus. Just like Paul, he, he would have been sort of known by these believers in the church in Colossae. And this is why he's entrusted to carry the letter to these, you know, to these believers, these precious letters that make up a lot of our Bible. He was, he was given these to carry. And 
brought this letter to the Colossians and the letter that we're going to study next, uh, the letter to Philemon, who was in this church, uh, about his former slave named Onesimus. He very likely carried the letter to the Ephesians. It's pretty important. Likely he took the letter that we know in our Bible as 2 Timothy, and it's possible, I don't know for sure, but he might have even brought the letter to Titus. And the letter mentioned in verse 16 of Colossians 4 to the Laodiceans. If that's not the letter to the Ephesians, there's another letter out there that he also likely delivered. So he had this really important role to play. He was charged with, you know, delivering letters like a divinely directed mailman. I mean, his role is important. It's an important delivery. And not only did he bring those letters, but as Paul talks about, he was there to to bring comfort, to help them understand these people in Colossae, what was going on with Paul. Give them an update, more than what's written in these letters. So there's nothing really glamorous about Tychicus. He's just sort of there. He didn't write any letters. He didn't start any churches. He didn't preach any sermons that are recorded for us. Luke, who wrote Acts, is kind of infamous for, like, attention to detail. Luke doesn't mention any sort of huge, great feat of Tychicus in the book of Acts. He's not an all-star. He, he just, he would have never been on ESPN. There aren't any books written about Tychicus, but it doesn't mean that he's not important. I... I think God wants Paul to mention Tychicus here so that the church in Colossae and also the church down through the generations would know that this man's role may have been small in the eyes of men. In our eyes, we're like, not important. But he was greatly used by God. And he teaches us that every role is important and significant and every role accomplishes God's good purpose. Tychicus was happy to do what he could. He was a faithful servant to the Lord. How do I know that? Well, look at how Paul describes him in verse 7. A beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. We think of Tychicus as forgettable. Like, we just read over it and we're like, I can't wait to be done with Colossians for my Bible reading plan. Names, 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 stuff. Paul says goodbye. I get to check the box. On to the next book. But there's something more here. Look at this status that he's given by Paul. He's greatly loved by Paul. So valuable in Paul's estimation. Paul thought of him as an equal, a co-worker in the gospel. Someone busy with the same task and the same purpose as Paul had. That was Tychicus. And he was a, a faithful servant. He served Paul and the church and the spread of the gospel, and he ultimately served Christ. It didn't matter to to Tychicus that his role wasn't in the spotlight. He was dedicated. He was faithful. He busied himself with the work of ministry that he knew he could do, and he was using the the God-given gifts that he had. He was dependable. He didn't have the brilliant mind of Paul. He wasn't a sort of a recognized orator or gifted communicator. That wasn't what he was gifted to do. 
He wasn't a preacher. He didn't heal anybody. He didn't work miracles. He was a servant. And in that, he's just totally trustworthy, dependable, to the point of being entrusted to deliver sacred scripture to the church in need. Paul had such love and respect and admiration for Tychicus that he calls him a fellow servant, a fellow slave in the Lord. Paul thinks of him as an equal. And you just need to let that kind of sit for a second. No difference between the two of us. I did write this letter, but he's delivering it, and we're both important in the eyes of the Lord, both fellow slaves of the Lord. Neither one was more important in the, in the eyes of Paul. They're equals, both valuable, both have purpose, both used by the Lord to accomplish his will, both used by God to accomplish his work. There are dozens, maybe, I don't know, hundreds of guys like Brian Scalabrini, and I have lists of beloved bench warmers and athletes who filled sort of those lesser roles for the greater good of the team. Athletes that, names we've never heard of, athletes we never see because we have those stars in our eyes for the biggest and the best. But their contributions, although missed by most men, are still significant. They were seen by a coach or a teammate. Somebody knew the value of those lesser players. They perhaps didn't get the praise of men, but they knew they were doing the task they were given to do. So it is with our service to the church. So it is with the way that we are called to serve in ministry. So many roles to play, so many areas to serve in, and yet so many go unnoticed. So many people who serve in sort of those thankless capacities. But like Tychicus, we must serve as a slave for the Lord. We serve the church and we use our spiritual gift, not for ourselves, but for building up the body of Christ. That's why we have this gift. Just as Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Paul writes, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped Look at how Paul talks about the church. When each part's working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's our task. That's what we're called to do. We serve the good of the body. That has to be our focus when we serve. No gift for me. It's a spiritual gift for everyone else. No matter how teeny tiny or how big we might think in our estimation that this spiritual gift is, it's not for that person. And not only that, we're to always know the one for whom we ultimately serve. We don't serve for the recognition and the praise of man. We don't serve to please people. We don't serve so that our pastor or some person gives us an attaboy or a at a girl. I think you can say that. That's not what we do. Paul writes in Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Like Tychicus, we serve the Lord. We serve to please one person. 
And that's the Lord doing what we can with the gifts that he's given us. So Tychicus was useful. He delivered those letters and he was an encouragement to those whom he saw. He gave them more detail, I'm sure. He comforted those who were there who were worried and concerned about their pastor, about Paul, who founded their church. They wanted to know how he was doing, and he did what he was there to do. And Not just this messenger, he, he represented the ministry team. That's how Paul talks about him and how he writes about him. He's representing Paul, and he's there to minister on behalf of Paul. It seems like a little role to us, but it, it isn't to Paul. It, it isn't to God either. I read this poem, sort of summarizes what's being said here. Hopefully it helps you. It says, for the loss of a nail, you lose a horseshoe. For the loss of a horseshoe, you lose a horse. For the loss of a horse, you lose a soldier. And for the loss of a soldier, you lose a battle. And for the loss of a battle, you lose a kingdom. Little nail's pretty important. And that's how we have to think about all the ways that we can serve in a church. It may seem so small, so insignificant, but it's pretty important. And we have no idea what impact our service to the Lord might have. I have no concept, no clue how our small service to the Lord might impact eternity. I mean, look, here's proof. Tychicus' name is in Scripture. I doubt he knew of the significance that these letters would have on the church through the centuries. I, I doubt he gave it much consideration that his name would be here in our Bibles, that we would be here tonight studying God's word, reading his name, learning from his life. But here he is. Again, none of us know how our service to the Lord might impact eternity. Tychicus brought with him this man named Onesimus in verse 9, and we're going to look at his life in a few weeks when we study the letter of, to Philemon. And his life is just so similar to, to Tychicus. I mean, they, they both just totally transformed by the power of the gospel. Uh, Onesimus, kind of a, a rotten person, changed by the gospel become a new creation. Now he just wants to serve his master. He wants to live pleasing to Christ and desiring to be useful. And we're going to learn a ton about him in the weeks ahead. But here's our, just sort of again, our big idea for tonight. And it's so important that you understand this and you begin to grasp this now. The earlier, the better. It's an important principle. No matter where God places you in the church, your service matters. Your role matters. Your function in the church is important in the eyes of the Lord. And if you miss that, you're going to spend your whole Christian life chasing some other spot in the church, thinking that that's more useful, more valuable, thinking that that's more important. And the whole time you have a spiritual gift, if you are a Christian, you have a gift that is useful and it is needed. And if you're chasing, wanting to do this other thing you're not equipped to do by God in the first place, you're actually depriving the people around you. You're withholding that gift that you have that everybody around you desperately needs. So it's important to, to, to recognize 
these places where we can serve the Lord and how we serve the Lord and to do it in a way that we're just concerned about being faithful, not about what we're doing. Know that wherever God's gifted you, your only task is to serve him. I think our aim needs to be like this man, like Tychicus, that our church would describe us the way that Paul describes him, a beloved brother or sister, a faithful servant, and a co-worker to the purposes of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word that instructs us that we can know its benefit as it works in our life. Thank you for the way that all of Scripture, even a section like this, how it teaches and it reproves and corrects and trains us and it equips us for the good works you've purposed for us. Father, help us to learn this principle from the life of this man, Tychicus, and apply it to our own lives. Lord, not to be concerned about where we're serving in the church or what roles are more important than others, but Father, to look for opportunities to serve however we can, wherever we can, and to just do it in a way that's faithful and do it in a way that's, that's loving. God, give us a desire to serve your church, to use those spiritual gifts you've given us for your glory, for your purpose, for your good. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.